seeking collaborations with influential people. At GZPR, we create passion-fueled collaborations that go beyond traditional representation, a performance agency that onboards new clients every month. Our focus is on POC collaborations. Contact us now at hellogzpr.com, a self-aware public relations agency exploring world perspectives with leading talents. Hello and welcome. My name is Tiffany Farag and welcome to Get to Know You, a podcast for those who want to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, where conversations can become stronger when we explore our thinking and behavior. Every Tuesday, a new question will be asked to a guest speaker. Genuine people here to have insightful conversations. A big announcement, a new course available now called How to Get to Know You. We'll be giving away the first lesson for free on the website. The link is available in the show description. My guest speaker today is a consulting hypnotist who specializes in healing emotional abuse. He works intensively with abuse survivors to help them heal the trauma and overcome anxiety in under two weeks. Doug is also the host of Making Meaning Podcast, a show that interviews adventurers and others who have sought out purpose to learn how we make our own meaning in life. Welcoming Doug Sands to get to know you. Welcome, Doug. Hey, hey, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. So first, we'd love to hear about your podcast, Making Meaning. When did that start and what is it about? I started the Making Meaning podcast as I guess many other podcasters did when I had all the time available in COVID last year in 2020. And it had been a dream of mine for quite a long time at that point. Uh, I always thought that I'd be a like a blog writer and the dream of that was like, eight years in the running. And finally, I realized like, I'm, I'm much better behind the microphone than I am actually writing. And so I started the podcast, it was very small in the beginning, but I realized that there were others around me who were also searching for purpose. And when I was when I was very young, you know, just in college and everything, I always thought uh, that someone was going to hand purpose to me. Someone was going to present it to me in a, a gift wrap box and I was going to basically just get it and I'd understand it. And over time, I've realized that it's not like that. Our purpose, not only is it constantly changing, it's something that we've got to constantly retool for ourselves. It's something that we've got to constantly tweak and make. And so that's where the Making Meaning podcast comes from, the title of it. I take it two different ways. The first way is that we are constantly making that purpose in our life. And the second way was actually something that my, uh, my therapist told me when I was going through my own struggle in uh, mental health. She said to me that we are meaning-making creatures. We, as people, assign meaning to the different things around us in our life. And so what one thing is objectively is not how we perceive it because we're putting our own filters our own experiences over that. And so with this podcast, my goal is to show people that there is a path to finding more meaning. There is a path to developing that in their own way. And part of that is about removing those filters, those uh, blocks that we have around our own vision. That's fantastic. I love that. First thing that's really standing out to me is I like that you said, you know, we, we grow up thinking someone's going to hand us our purpose. Like, here you go. 
this is what you're meant to be doing now. So I love that you said that. That's fantastic. <laughs> like, that's so true. Like, a lot of the time, like, just growing up thinking, oh, no, someone's going to guide me or someone's going to, this is what I'm meant to be doing or it's just going to pop out of nowhere kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so that was that was a great point. And and the other thing, too, I really like that you you you're basically saying, look at, there are many perspectives to look at something and maybe from your own perspective due to your experiences you're looking at it from one way but maybe it does have meaning and significance if you look at it from another perspective is that what you're trying to say absolutely and i think a lot of people realize that as they as they grow up uh, they they start to see other people's perspectives and they start to realize that their perspective is not the only one but i'm ta- I, i'd love to take that a step further and say that maybe what you've been what you've been raised to believe is not exactly true maybe it for me personally i grew up in a part of the country in the midwest in the us i should say that was very rural that was very they're fairly conservative and it took me a long time to realize that that was not the only view of the world that was out there and so it it's a pretty shaking experience when you start questioning everything about your reality but that's where we get the the big progress, the, the great changes that lead us to a more fulfilling life. What did you start questioning? If you look at yourself, what did you start questioning from dif- that was different from your upbringing, your upbringing that kind of shifted your mindset a little bit? One of the big things that I struggled with was I always thought I had to be working. I grew up literally on a dairy farm. And so it, we had that mindset that if you weren't working, then you know, you weren't going to get paid or you weren't going to get fed or something like that. And that scarcity mindset was really huge in my, in my journey. And it's something I see a lot when working with clients. It's something that I see a lot when just interacting with people with a podcast as well. And that was one of the biggest shifts for me, but also realizing that I had filters over my own percept- perception that I didn't even realize. Like I knew about the the excess work. That was clear to me. I didn't realize I was still looking thing at the world as if it had to fit in a black and white box. The more I've traveled, the more I've uh, met amazing people and interviewed people for this podcast, the more I realized that life is extremely messy and there's no clear-cut, defined answer in, in any direction you choose. And so... It, for me personally, it was a lot of releasing control and releasing mm-hmm. control that I did not, um, I did not have everything figured out, and I just had to at times just go with it and then make the best of the situation. I love that. That sounds fantastic. I like that releasing control, and I think a lot of us we grew up thinking, you know, I, I like that as well. That you thought we had to like you had to work so hard to like get mm-hmm. where you want to be, and there's only one form of working and and things like that, and. Absolutely. Like your experiences, putting yourself in different environments around different people, you're able to see different lifestyles. And so you're like, wait a minute, I don't need to be doing that. I could be doing this, this and that. I can combine, I can change, I can shift into my own, the lifestyle that I want. Absolutely. Yeah. And as you said, there are so many different types of work. There's like the brute physical labor, which is mindless. And then there's the very precise analytical work. And then there's um, something a little bit of both where you're perhaps like a hiking guide or doing, um, I don't know, something where you need both your brain and your body. And I personally feel that when we're doing that bit of both, that's when I personally feel the most happiness. 
Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, do you a bit of both in what way? Like you, like a fifty-fifty? Would it, or is it like one day a week this, and then a couple other days a week something else? <laughs> I would say about fifty. I don't, well, in in general, about fifty-fifty. But as you mentioned, like splitting up some certain days. Like for my personal schedule, I personally enjoy working as a hypnotist for you know three to four days out of the week, and then. One day I might go um, work as a work as a Zumba instructor or work as a yoga instructor, do that kind of thing, and work my body a little bit and get back into the just the simplicity of moving your body in that way. And that really gets me. That really gets the balance back in my life. I love that so much. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So you mentioned yes, this is a big thing I want to dive into, and I'm sure there's a lot of. I'm sure you come across a lot of people who are skeptical about this, and um, so consulting hypnotist tell us a bit about that what does that what does that mean yeah absolutely so sorry for the noise i call myself a consulting hypnotist because uh, a lot of people a lot of hypnotists will call themselves hypnotherapists but you cannot legally call yourself a hypnotherapist until you've got that license as a therapist separately so that's why i call myself a consulting hypnotist But what I'm doing is simply using tools from neuroscience and psychology in hypnosis to help people make that change very rapidly, whether it's around my specialty around emotional abuse or whether it's around anxiety or weight loss or motivation. Even hypnotists are extremely flexible because when you learn the tools to do one thing, for example, like emotional, uh, emotional trauma, working with that. When you learn the basic frameworks of that, you can apply it to most other problems. You can apply it to business confidence or weight loss, whatever it may be, and tweak it slightly. But the entire framework still works. We're working with the basic structures of the mind. We're working with those frameworks that our mind already understands. Interesting. So just let's break it down a little bit. Just hypnosis on its own are like, you know, Sorry for my ignorance, but I'm just thinking something like you're dangling some pendulum thing and I'm and I'm meant to go into some <laughs> kind of headspace of some sort. What is actually hypnosis first? Absolutely. There's a there are a lot of misconceptions about what hypnosis is. A lot of people ask if I'm gonna swing the pocket watch at them. And I've never actually met a hypnotist that uses a pocket watch. It's a very outdated idea. But Hypnosis, in a nutshell, is all about slowing down our brainwaves to theta state and then using tools from psychology and other resources to make that change very effectively. And the reason we're taking people down to that theta state is because the unconscious mind, the place where you're storing all those thoughts, habits, emotions that are running things in the background, uh, that is more online when you are in that theta state. When you are in a a normal everyday waking state, your mind is alert, your mind is active, and there's a part of your mind that is blocking um, blocking out what it doesn't believe is going to help you. It's called the critical faculty. And when we're in waking states, it's very active. But when we are down in that theta frequency, uh, that part of our mind becomes a little more permissible. It doesn't completely shut off because... In hypnosis, your mind is always working to protect you. It's always working for your benefit. 
but it's more open to allowing beneficial suggestions to go directly into your unconscious where you know they're naturally going to go if you're doing it as a habit over 28 to 38 days, something like that. Hypnosis just allows us to put those wholesale into your unconscious in a way that uh, you can already use it in your life. Interesting. And so I love all of that. And I like how there's a lot of science and psychology and neuroscience, um, you know, that you draw from, which is fantastic. Mm. Um, And to get to reach this theta state, are you closing your eyes and you're talking or what is this, what is this tool that, what are you doing exactly? Yeah, there are a bunch of different ways to get someone down to that theta state. The most common way is to have someone close their eyes and then guide them through what's called an induction. An induction is literally just slowing down someone's brain waves to that point, getting to that relaxed state. Uh, the common idea of swinging the pocket watch is an induction, even though it's a very outdated one. So talking about the brain waves, breaking this down a little bit, uh, when we're in our normal state, when we're just talking in a conversation like this, we are at what's called beta frequency. Below that, you have alpha frequency, which is a light trance, like if you're driving a car or zoning out, staring out a window or something. And below that is theta frequency. And that's where we're aiming for in hypnosis. And when we get to that state, a person is very relaxed. They are more willing to accept beneficial suggestions. And to get them to that state, we're using language patterns that have been studied for over um, 100 years by this point. We are using sometimes kinesthetic kinesthetic body movement type things, type inductions, I should say, to get a more rapid and more robust trance. And those are generally the two that find that I usually work with that I get the best results out of both language patterns and kinesthetic inductions. Interesting. And how long does it take for somebody to get into this state usually for you, for you to do that? If, if you're just using like a language pattern, um, Sometimes it takes anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes. Um, There are what are called rapid inductions, and those take anywhere from a couple seconds up to a minute. And to get someone to that deep theta state, it helps if they've been hypnotized before. Just like meditation, hypnosis is a mental muscle that you build up. But for someone first experiencing hypnosis, as long as they're open to the the experience and they're... uh, excited to make some kind of change, they're going to go into hypnosis very quickly. Most times I see people reach that theta state in about three to five minutes. Interesting, interesting. And you specialized in emotional abuse. Why? Emotional abuse was something that was very prominent in my own life. I... I was never physically abused. And I think this is something common among people with emotional abuse that they downplay it. Like they never hit me. And so it's not that big a deal. But emotional abuse can be very insidious because you are, the abuser, I should say, is literally turning the, the victim into the abuser themselves. Meaning that they're not the one beating you up they're making you beat yourself up. Mm. And so uh, 
I had a lot of negative self-talk and a lot of negative self-habits that I had to work through dealing with my own emotional abuse. And I personally went through therapy. I went through medication and they helped me at that time. I'm not knocking either of those because they are, uh, they are great forms of treatment when they do work. I personally found the most success with hypnosis and that's why I eventually got trained in it. And so it's a very personal story for me. It's very, um, it's a very strong connection to this, this group of people that I'm working with. And that's why I specialize in it. How long have you been working in this? I've been a, a hypnotist for about two years and I specialize in emotional abuse about um, nine months ago. Fantastic. And you've seen, uh, I'm sure you've been seeing great results. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in the very what are your beginning, patient range, yeah. sorry, what is your patient range? Like what, who are these people? Like, are they uh, people your age? Are they in their forties, fifties, men, women? What, what are your, what are you saying uh, exactly? Oftentimes I'm working with people in their early to late twenties. You know, that, that's a very common range, uh, men, women, all across the board. I would say that, um, my most common, my most common client is mid twenties, but I do see people who are in their thirties and forties. I've seen a couple people who are in their sixties who had emotional trauma later in life. Uh, I've seen a, a, I've seen people in their fifties who are still dealing with things from childhood. And it's all about that moment that they are actually ready to change. Because in hypnosis, in the field, we have this uh, concept of threshold. And threshold is the idea that someone is actually ready to make that change. And until they reach that point of threshold, they're not actually going to make the change. It's the same idea behind why someone who uh, you know, narrowly survives a car accident can turn their life 180 degrees overnight. They hit that point of threshold. And so the change was easy to make. And so when a person is at that point of threshold and they are ready to make that change, as long as they've got the right tools with hypnosis or with something else, uh, the change is very easy to make. Interesting. And do they know they've hit the point of threshold or do you know when they've hit the point of threshold? How, do, how are you meant to know this? Yeah. Threshold, I, I describe it two ways. Threshold for is in one way is that feeling that you cannot keep living life the way you've been living it. If uh, you're sick, of, if you're fed up with this problem and it's um, something you're ready to be rid of immediately, that's a great sign of threshold. The three questions I usually ask about someone who might be a threshold is, one, do you believe that you need to change? If someone is blaming someone else for their problems still, they're not quite at threshold. Mm. Two, do you believe that the change has to happen, like the change actually has to happen for you to feel good, meaning that do you believe that you cannot keep living like that as you've been living it? And three, do you believe that this change has to happen right now? Is this an immediate thing or is this something you're just kind of like, ah, I'd, I'd like to fix it at some point in the future? And when they can congruently say yes to those three things, that's when I know that they're at threshold. And is this something you ask at the beginning of a consultation? Absolutely. So I actually have a, a like a discovery call, like many coaches and hypnotists. Uh, and I'm asking it there because if a person is clearly not at threshold, 
I'm actually going to discourage them from using hypnosis. I mean, they'll, they'll sign up for sessions and they'll uh, have some great results, but they're probably not going to be as strong as they were hoping for. And so threshold is really the, the foundation of making some powerful changes, because if you don't have that, the client is not yet willing to make that change. The hypnosis can only do so much. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you work with survivors who, and you help them heal their trauma and overcome their anxiety in under two weeks. Now, when you said that to me, I was a bit like, really? Like everyone said, you know, trauma and, and overcoming things, you know, a lot of people say years of therapy and then you still don't overcome it. And people live with these things that they just don't overcome. So this is very interesting that, that, with your with being with hypnotism and and your psychology and neuroscience tools that you do use that you're able to heal certain traumas in in under two weeks and i've never heard of this before and it's very um is this something throughout the hypnotist community of people like this is something that's you know known yeah, there are a lot. There are a lot of different tools that we use in hypnosis to deal with things like PTSD and anxiety and complex trauma. And what I'm doing in those two weeks is actually just an accelerated program as compared to what other hypnotists are doing. Uh, oftentimes, if someone comes in to work with um, a, a trauma like this, a hypnotist will give them a four-session program or something like that. And what I'm doing, what I realize is that many of my clients, they wanted the change faster than that. They wanted to have a session, you know, three or four days after that first session because they were getting change and they wanted to keep that momentum going. And so that two-week program is just a condensed version of what I used to offer. And I'm also bringing in other tools around like anxiety relief and uh, insomnia work to help make sure that they're actually getting a well-rounded package rather than just a uh, just some fluffy promises. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. And so it, this is not something, like you said, you do it every three days or four days. So what, you have a, what, I don't know, three, four sessions? Yes. Four and, sessions. And is this something that you need to do again after a year? When a person makes a change in hypnosis, that change is typically permanent. Now, I don't want to say, you know, set in stone permanent because life happens. You know, you can, if you, uh, you can trigger it, you could trigger it again in that way. You mean, well, in, in a way, let me say it this way. The reason that a person has any negative coping mechanism in their life is because the brain at one point realized that that was a surefire way to get a specific result. And whether that result was anxiety relief, whether that was just physical safety, whatever it might have been, that, what, that negative coping mechanism was the one tool they had in that instance. Now, the brain does not like risk inherently because risk in our primal days meant we're risking our lives. And though it's not quite as risky nowadays, our brain still believes that. And so when it's got a negative coping mechanism that has proven effective in the past, it's going to keep running that negative coping mechanism, even if it's not helping you as long as it needs. And what we're doing in programs like these, we are giving the brain 
other coping mechanisms that give it the same solutions that actually agree with the person's life, that actually give them what they want in a way that they want it. Interesting. So something like, so there are a lot of studies that suggest that we all have one negative core belief about ourselves. The most common and prominent one is not think, not knowing that you are like worthy of love. Mm-hmm. Are tools like hypnotists, you work with that too. You would use the same tools to remove this fear, I would say. Yes, Ab- absolutely. Hypnosis is incredibly powerful both for, I mean, it's well known for phobias and basic fears, but it's also well known for changing limiting beliefs. Now, mentioning that point of threshold, mentioning that point of the negative coping mechanism, a person has to be ready to release that belief. And they also have to be given something, uh, another coping mechanism, another, another tool that they can use to get that same result. Because as, as you mentioned, relapse, if a person if a person is not given a, a better if a person is not given a better tool to solve that problem, their mind is going to hold on to that negative coping mechanism just in the back pocket and say, you know, we, if we ever need this in the in the future. When a person experiences relapse, what is essentially happening is the brain decides that the new solution is not as surefire, is not as effective as the old solution. And so that's when it brings it back. And so with limiting beliefs, what we simply need to do is give them a strong enough belief that they actually buy into. And you can do that very quickly in hypnosis. And I, I don't know if you've, uh, if you touch on affirmations in this podcast, but the reason that affirmations are can be so difficult is because you are consciously telling your unconscious something it does not believe. Mm. You are repeatedly saying again and again something that your unconscious is like I don't I don't buy this. This is not what is this is not what my experience has been. And in it, hypnosis you are getting the unconscious to basically agree with those affirmations. You are bypassing that critical faculty, that part of your mind that says, I don't actually believe this. And you are putting it directly into the unconscious where that belief comes up fully formed. Yeah, that, that's very interesting. Uh, I, I like that you did mention affirmations because a lot of people have these affirmations and they don't work. And I think you're like, like I heard in, um, I don't know if you know Vishen Lakhiani, he's from Wine Valley. And he was saying, instead of saying, I am, I am worthy of love, for example, uh, he would say, ask a question, why are you worthy of love? Mm-hmm. And that was meant to shift something else. And then you'd give reasons. You're like, well, I'm worthy of love for this, 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 and that. Absolutely. Instead of just I am, it's like why am I worthy of love? Yeah, that and like, <laughs> yeah, and then like maybe take it a bit further and and just say like, well, why don't you say you are love, as in talking to yourself, and then again, that's meant to shift something else in your brain hmm. or Absolutely. in your unconscious, in your unconscious. So, listeners, I actually asked Doug if he could hypnotize me. <laughs> on on the podcast and i would like to i have this negative core belief so thinking that i'm not worthy of love and i I, i'm like you know but um 
I want to give this a go. Absolutely. All right. The first thing I do in hypnosis session is define exactly what you want in your own terms. So what is it that you'd like to change today? Today, for the rest of my life, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I would like to be, I just, I just want to have this like belief that I am worthy of love. Like just, I just want to know it like a fact. Mm. And what is this belief that you'd like to know as a fact? That I am worthy of love. <laughs> excellent. And I think that's an excellent, an excellent belief that we can change not only for you, but also for anyone listening in the audience. And for everyone listening, I want to, uh, I want to caution you. Uh, if you're driving, be sure to pause this podcast because, uh, you know, I'm not liable for any of this. So, uh, if you're doing something where you need your full attention, make sure you're not listening to this hypnosis right now. If you'd like to get the same changes that Tiffany would like uh, about wanting to know it as a fact that you are worthy of love, you can listen along to this hypnosis and get that same result for yourself as well. Fantastic. All right, Tiffany. So you can see me. I can see you. We can hear each other. So let's go ahead and begin. Uh, go ahead and get comfortable if you haven't already. <laughs> all right here we go i'm comfortable excellent make sure your arms and legs are uncrossed yep go ahead and take a deep breath in and just allow your eyes to close that's right at the perfect pace for you just allowing yourself this time to make amazing changes knowing that with each natural breath that you take, you can allow yourself to sink even deeper into hypnosis and know that any sounds you may hear, that's right, beyond the sound of my voice, they can simply send you deeper into hypnosis happens naturally when you're ready to go deeper into the experience, those sensations as you are currently sinking deeper into the experience and the sensation and the knowledge that you can go deep into this experience. That's right. Any physical movements, any adjustments, just sending you deeper into the process. And to help you, to truly help you go even deeper, I'd like you to imagine a staircase. A staircase that will take you to the depths of hypnotic trance. However, the staircase appears to you. That's right. It's the perfect way for you. And each step that you take can take you twice as deep into hypnosis. That's right. Starting with 10. 
beginning to sink deeper into that experience. Nine, doubling that relaxation. Eight, going even deeper. Seven, relaxing into the experience physically and mentally. Six, knowing your mind can make these changes. Five, doubling that relaxation again. Four, sinking down even further. Three, relaxing every muscle. Two, allowing your mind to relax just as much. Down to one. And since you're in this deep state of hypnosis, you can allow your unconscious to know that there is a deeper level of hypnosis below this one. And I ask your unconscious to take you there now. That's right. Noticing any sensations. Noticing whatever you notice. And in, that's right, this state of hypnosis, you may find it's easy to know you are worthy of love. In this state of hypnosis, it's easy to make this change. And your mind, your deep unconscious mind, may already be making these changes now in the background to help you and to help your unconscious. That's right, make these changes. Think for a moment of someone you love dearly, unconditionally. Maybe it's a relative, maybe it's a friend, maybe they're young, old, or somewhere in between. Think of that person. That's right. And as you do, notice any feelings, any thoughts, any images you have around that person. And now, with that in mind, imagine yourself standing next to that person. Notice what's different. Notice, that's right. Notice how that version of you is standing. That's right. Notice how bright or dark that image is, how small or big or how close or distant it may be. 
And because you're unconscious, that's right, registers these understandings, often in terms of the visual and the feelings, to help you love yourself as much as you love that person. Imagine changing that image of you. Any sounds just sending you deeper? Change that image of you to be like that image of them. Perhaps you bring it closer or brighten that image or change something else about it so that that version of you is just as appealing to you, is just as worthy of love as the person, that's right, whom you love unconditionally. And it's all right if it may seem difficult or easy because your unconscious changes quickly. And with these instructions, your unconscious can continue to do this work in the background. And that's right. And thinking of that person that you love unconditionally. Allow the following suggestions to just enter your unconscious, fully formed. That's right. You are worthy of love. You are loved. That's right. You can be loved by yourself. You can give yourself just as much love as you give that person. The more love you give yourself, the more love you can give others. You deserve to have a life full of love. That's right. And just allow all of those suggestions to just install in your mind. And in a moment, I'm going to bring you back to the room or the place you're in by counting up from one up to 10. But before I do, I'd like your unconscious to help continue making this change because loving yourself is a change that can grow, that can expand, and that can improve. And each and every time you see the color white 
each and every time you see that color white, a part of you can love yourself, can give you the love you need, whether consciously or unconsciously. When you see that color white in any of its shades, part of you, and then perhaps all of you, will feel that love for yourself. That's right. And your unconscious can finish installing all of these changes by the time I count from one to five, so that by the time I reach 10, all of those changes, that's right, will already be installed. That's right. Starting with one, can begin to start to come back to the surface, feeling three times as excellent, as wonderful as before you began. Because on five, knowing your mind is different now, six, feeling that love, seven, perhaps feeling amazing, eight, starting to come back, nine, perhaps incorporating some movement and eyes open, wide awake on 10. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How do you feel uh, now? That was interesting. That was very interesting. <laughs> it looked like, absolutely. That was a very saw. brief hypnosis session. Mm-hmm. What I was seeing from the my perspective uh, you were exhibiting the common signs of trance. Your head was tilting forward. Your face was relaxing. Um, and uh, your movements were very slow. And so uh, what's happening in that moment, your mind is slowing down into that theta state. And theta is the frequency that sits just above sleep, which is why people in hypnosis look so relaxed. And so on my end, it looked that you were very, you, you went into hypnosis very quickly. And, um, the changes that we make, they were that we, I should say that your mind was making, they look to be very rapid. Interesting. I want to let you know something first. Yeah. I, um, according to my yoga teachers, I actually can fall really deep into meditation as well. So maybe that also plays a role as to why I could kind of sink into a deeper state because I am, yeah. I am able to do that in meditation. Yeah, and that touches on the the link between those two. Uh, I don't I don't know if I mentioned this, but the the interesting bridge between hypnosis and meditation is guided meditation. Whereas in solo meditation, a person is typically speeding up their brain waves; they're going above that beta frequency. In guided meditations, you're slowing down; you're dropping into alpha, and sometimes all the way into theta frequency. And that's why guided meditations, uh, they often feel very relaxing. They often feel a bit hypnotic. And so if someone it, like yourself, if you've got experience with guided meditations, that is a great, uh, a great state or a great example of what this feels like in hypnosis. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know the other funny, the funny thing though is, I don't know, at some point I felt like a wheel was kind of like I could feel a shadow of, of something that was like, moving in front of my eyes and I don't have anything in my window or anything there. 
<laughs> so that that was kind of weird. And uh, when you did say somebody that um, you love and so deeply, like dearly to you, um, or that you feel unconditional love from, and stand next to this person, all of a sudden everything was really bright. Ah, yes. So yeah, the unconscious mind communicates to us in feelings and images because when it when it, it's, it comes from that primal part of our brain. And that was the fastest way it could communicate to us that there was danger or that there was something that we should run towards in those days. And so it still has that same communication system. And that's why often in hypnosis, we are using tools like visualization and using tools like feeling states because we're speaking in a way that the unconscious comprehends. What we're doing is essentially couching psychological practices in a language that the unconscious mind really grasps very well. Interesting. Now, this was really fantastic. That was my first time. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much. So I'm going to be doing, uh, listeners, a cafe episode about this by myself and talking about just the changes that I feel after a week's time and just discussing it, thinking. And whoever, you know, listeners, as you know, you're going to be sending through your questions. You can ask me anything you like about the experience and about your experience and what it, how it impacted on yourselves. So thank you so much, Doug. This was really, I enjoyed this Absolutely. so much. Really surprised yes. me. So surprising. I also, I love to ask my guest speakers at the end of each episode, how has this conversation with me highlighted anything to you, made you reflect, talking mm. things out loud? Yeah, I love that question. I think that's such a great, great way to turn it back on the guest. Um, I would say it, what this conversation taught me was that so many others are struggling with the same issues that I, I felt when you said, you know, talking about feeling worthy of love, that was something that really struck a chord in me because it's something I also struggle with. And I'm realizing that human, human beings, we often struggle with the same problems in different packages. And when we, I should say, when we get those experiences that just increases our ability to connect with other people on that deep level. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming onto the podcast. And so where can people find you, Doug? Absolutely. My main website is anywherehypnosis.com. I call it that because pursuing my own purpose, I've started traveling around the world. And that so anywhere, as long as you've got an internet connection, we can connect and do some hypnosis. Uh, my Instagram is at making your meaning. That's where I share a bunch of information about hypnosis. And my podcast is called The Making Meaning Podcast. And they can find that on Apple, Stitcher, all the podcasting apps. Fantastic. And I'll send all those, um, I'll attach all the links in the show description. Thank you so much, Doug. Thank you for coming onto the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Get to Know You. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate, review, and share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram. You can tag me at Get to Know You with Tiffany Farrick. In my mission to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, I wanted to hear from you listeners. The question again, what if trauma could be healed in under two weeks? Leave an audio, video, or a message on the Facebook or Instagram page of your response to today's question, including your name and where you are from. We will include some different responses in next week's Get to Know You Cafe to further deepen dialogue on this topic if you have any topics you would like us to discuss be sure to tag me in a post with your question join us every tuesday on get to know you